Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I want to welcome you to a special episode of the Do I Offend You podcast. My name is Carl Britt. I am your host. I am your truth teller. All right, so uh, I have a very special treat for everybody out there that wants to be blessed uh, from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet and just in the depths of your spirit, I promise you. Uh, There is an anointed message coming your way in just a few minutes uh, from Pastor Nathaniel Urshan. This message was shared with me by my friend, uh, good friend, uh, David Contreras, uh, the other night. I listened to it this morning. I'm blown away. I'm eager to share it with you, uh, but I want to keep my priorities straight. Go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get right into it. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your many blessings. Thank you for your word. Uh, You are a rock that we can stand on, and we appreciate and love you and give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. Heavenly Father, Lord, just uh, continue, God, to use the podcast to reach out and touch lives, God, in any way that you see fit. Uh, We love you, we praise you, and we bless your holy name in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen and amen. All right, so I want to get right into it. Um, It's about an hour long, and then, uh, of course, I'm going to be doing the uh, regular podcast, the weekly podcast tomorrow where we will be jumping back into our lesson in search of the few. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sure love and appreciate everybody out there. Uh, Without any further ado, Pastor Nathaniel Urshan, and the title of his message is All Things Work Together for the Good. Oh, let's love him right now. Let's love him right now. Let's give him thanks. We worship you, holy God. We lift our hearts with our hands, Jesus. We exalt you, King of kings, Lord of lords. Fill our spirits tonight, O God, and let our cups run over. Great God of Israel, great God of Israel, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the living God. My soul so longeth, yea, fainteth for the courts of the Lord. When shall I appear before the Lord? Ah, blessed be your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. What a beautiful spirit of God is in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. How many love what you feel right now? Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. It is such a privilege to belong to the family of Jesus Christ. Baptized in the mighty name of Jesus. Filled with the sweet gift of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like belonging to Jesus. Hallelujah. It's an honor and a privilege to be with this precious group of believers here. Fresno, California, Pastor Lackey, I give honor to you, to your family, and the ministering brethren that I've met here, and the reputation of this great church far precedes it. And this is the first time for me to be able to come in and to join in with you in worship. But I walked in the back door, and I could feel 
I could feel the praises of God's people. And that's a very familiar thing to me. And then when they began to sing, our God for whom we've waited will be our glad refrain of Israel recreated when Jesus comes again. It's all in him. I love the people of the one true living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And we're going to love him with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, our strength. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a privilege it is to be here. And, and thank you for the invitation, Pastor Lackey. And my son, Joseph, is he's in town. He's come in and uh, you'll be able to meet him. I'm glad he could come in and join me. And it's not often I get to be with my family when I'm out and about. And when we can, it's a wonderful thing. But I'm looking forward to what God's going to do this week. How about you? I believe God has great things in store. I believe people's lives are going to be changed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I believe the Holy Ghost is going to have his way. There's going to be chains broken off of people and people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So I'll just jump in. Usually when a new preacher comes, people take a little time to kind of feel him out. See what side of his head, his hair is parted on. What color his tie is. He's a little taller than I thought he'd be. Or whatever. But I can help you with all that and we can get past all that and just get right to the word of God. I put my pants on one leg at a time. I love Jesus. I love breakfast. I love my wife and my kids. And that's about it. There's not much else beyond that. <laughs> Praise God. If you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and let's open to the book of Romans chapter eight. Thank you for that kind introduction, Pastor. They, God has been so good. Um, and, and he's not done yet. We're on a journey and God is bringing things to pass in these last days that are absolutely mind blowing. And we're, we, we're, we've yet to see our greatest days. Amen. God's going to fill. He's going to fill people with the Holy Ghost at an unprecedented rate. And there's people in other countries. I was privileged to be in Roatan. I just came back from Haiti where we planted a church here uh, a few uh, a year ago. And in one year, 300 people are fill, have filled that sanctuary. Brand new people. First generation people. Amen. Two Trinitarian churches converted to oneness. In, in one year, because God is going to do things that blow our minds. We serve a great God. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter eight. And I'm going to read verse 28. I'm going to read a, a, a very well-known portion of scripture. And, you know, I'll say this with a lackey. I, um, you mentioned Brother Booker. He called me the other day. He said, where are you going, Brother Urshan? I said, I'm going to Fresno. He said to Brother Lackeys, I said, yes. He said, you're going to love that church. <laughs> so 
Praise God. I can already feel it. Amen. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And this is what Paul told the church at Rome. He said, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are the called. According to his purpose. This is something we know. If you're discouraged tonight, we're not just going through life with a death wish, loving it when trials come. <laughs> but we know. We know they're working. God's doing something. God's not done with you. God's got big things in store for his people. He's either preparing you or he's testing you or he is chastening you. But never forget that he loves you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And tonight I want to take a moment and I want to preach to you a simple message. I want to preach to you a message I've entitled all things really do work together. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the presence of God. If you will give me the liberty tonight, I'd like to take a moment. And I'd like to say that this apostolic life is the best life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It is not inferior. It's not old-fashioned. It's timeless. It's not subject to fads. It's not subject to fashion. And thank God it's sure not subject to Hollywood. But, but it is the best life. It is the best life. And he, God, he gave us this beautiful promise that, that all things would work together. And some folks misquote that and they say for our good. It is not necessarily for our good. It is for good. Now, when that means that nice things happen to me, I rejoice. But sometimes bad things have to happen for good. If you doubt that, just ask John the Baptist as he lay in the cellar in the dungeon. He knows that he has an appointment with an executioner. And there's an axe in his very near future. And his mind, being very human, begins to doubt. And he asks the question of Jesus, are you he that should come or do we look for another? Jesus encourages his cousin and the greatest prophet born of women. 
and reminds him that it might look bad for you, but it is for good. So don't get discouraged when negative seeming things happen. God's just moving pieces on the chessboard. God's just rearranging the structure of things. And I know God is in control of everything that happens in my life. And I know that he that has begun a good work is able. I came to tell Fresno tonight. He's able. The devil doesn't want you to know that, but oh, he's able, he's able, he's able, he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So all things, my flat tire, Maybe it's teaching me patience. Maybe it's keeping me from a drunk driver running a red light. But all things work together. So I think that's so on a more profound level than maybe I often realize. Let me, let, me, let me share a story with you. As an interesting phenomena happened, it's been several years ago, but biologists and even tourism officials noted that, that things had changed in Yellowstone National Park. It seemed like revenues from wild game, from fishing license being issued, from tourists had dropped off. And they noticed that the park itself seemed anemic in comparison to what they remembered it being. And those that kept count of statistics notice that animal populations were skewed something seemed wrong trees didn't grow like they used to and grass there were patches of muddy areas and dry areas and trees didn't seem to grow like they used to and they thought they might suspect something and then a few years passed it got worse they took aerial photographs of, of the park. They flew over with a helicopter. They, they photographed the park and they compared it. They compared it with, um, with aerial photographs from the forties, from the thirties. And what they found was an astonishing change where the riverbed used to be filled with trees. The trees were gone. And where there was verdant, lush growth, it was no longer. And where there used to be 
tons of fish. They weren't catching hardly any at all. And birds had almost declined by 80, 90 percent. People couldn't remember the last time they had seen a beaver in certain areas. And they, they began to wonder what in the world happened. There was a steep decline, and when they looked at the numbers, it alarmed them. Now, if you're a hunter here tonight, or you're a tree lover, or if you belong to uh, PETA, I don't mean to preach a message that will make anybody angry. I actually belong to PETA. Um, people eating tasty animals. And it's a club that's gaining strength and So, I hope we're all on the same page tonight. <laughs> There's a place for all of God's creatures. I saw one sign say, right next to the biscuits and gravy. <laughs> so, <laughs> they wondered where the decline came from. So, they began to investigate. They spent, they spent money. They brought in biologists. They... They did tests. They, uh, millions were raised, and they, they threw things at them. They fertilized. They introduced uh, new animals and new fish hatchery hatchlings. They brought birds in that were native to the area, but they had to import them from other places. They did all kinds of stuff and spent millions of dollars doing it, and it didn't work. And as it continued its decline... People grew more worried. So finally, one, one biologist said, if you'll let me, I can fix Yellowstone Park. I know what the problem is, and I don't need millions of dollars to fix it. Give me a little time, and I'll prove to you what has happened. He went out with a drill, and he went to trees. See, one of the things they'd noticed were there were no saplings. Saplings didn't grow in Yellowstone at this time. Trees were, were dying, and one reason they were dying was old age. And so he took a drill, and he drilled several hundred trees. He drilled into the core of them, and he took out samples. He analyzed them, and found that there was no tree in that region that was less than 80 years old. And he said, something happened 80 years ago that changed Yellowstone. We know this by the evidence my job is to find out what it was. So he went back into the newspaper archives and he began to comb through them in the local library on microfiche. And he studied and he looked and he perused. And after two or three days, he came out. He said, I know what it is and I can fix it with one move. They said, what are you going to do? He said, what we're going to do is we're going to right an old wrong. And when we do it, the whole park will come back to life. They said, what is it? He said, we're going to bring back the gray wolf. They said, you're crazy. Ranchers don't want the wolves and 
they, they went out and they, they thought they listened to him. They, they didn't import the right wolf. They imported a timber wolf. And after it slaughtered 20 elk at one time, he said, no, I didn't say a timber wolf. I said a gray wolf. They had to go kill. That's your government dollars at work. And he, they went, had to kill the timber wolf, put him down, and now get the gray wolf. They brought him in. And they said, what in the world is this going to do? <laughs> what do gray wolves have to do with birds and have to do with fish? And, and you're, you're out of your mind. He said, give me time. Nothing you've done has worked. My idea is no crazier than your idea. Give me two years and I will show you how to fix Yellowstone. They went out and they got six pairs male and female, of gray wolves, has set them loose into the park and monitored them. Five years later, Yellowstone was almost back to its old glory. They thought he'd work magic, but what he had done was he'd understood that there is a balance to things. And you might not think it's a big deal when you make a decision, but every decision you make affects every other thing around you. This decision affects that person. That person affects this person. And there's an ecosystem in the kingdom of God. And, and, and I'm telling you all things, they really, really do work together. It seemed like a good idea to kill them. They, they, they killed elk. Everybody knows elk. We want elk. We hunt elk. Elk meat's good. We don't want to see the elk die. We don't want to see the game die. So we need to kill them. And as ranching grew, they said we have to kill the wolves. That's the idea. And so, and I know some people are going, what in the world is this man preaching? We're having an agricultural lesson. No, I'm getting ready to get real spiritual here in just a second. But, but... It seemed like a good idea. So they put a bounty on the head of the wolf and they literally wiped out the wolf population. That's what happened 80 years before that. And since that time, no new trees had grown. I'll tell you this. Let me jump into the spiritual parallel here for just a second. There's a lot of people, and, and this is going to sound crazy, but, but the devil actually belongs in the Bible. There is a wolf. There is a predator. And denomination a long time ago realized that if you preach too hard on the devil and you preach too hard on hell and you preach too hard on sin, that you might offend people with money. You might offend the delicate sensibilities of the educated. And it seemed like a good idea at the time, but they basically assassinated the devil from their preaching. Giving themselves over to prosperity preaching, they basically created a God who didn't mean what he really said. And they created a devil who just had uh, some horns and a pitchfork and wasn't really real. And we can cure with therapy and pills. And there's no more sinners. There's just folks that have issues. And in doing so, they eliminated one of the core components of the Word of God. 
And you can create it to where you think you're doing the right thing. But I'm telling you, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. And this is not just a country club. This is not just a social movement. The church is not just some gathering we go to. But there is a heaven and there is a hell. Heaven is beautiful and hell is hot. And be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap and your adversary is as a roaring lion and he walks to and fro seeking whom he may devour and if you live in sin you sir you ma'am will not make heaven your home there's a lot of places where they get uncomfortable when you preach about hell but I can remember men preaching about hell until the hair stood up on the back of your neck. I can remember them preaching how hot hell was and that the sinner was going there and that when I sinned or you sinned that there was going to be a consequence for that. I'm here to tell you, you have to preach hell because it is a reality. And I made up in my mind, I am not going where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. Sin is not a game and it is not cool and it's not something to play with, but it is a very real thing and it's a mistake to eliminate it. There has to be preaching about the devil. There has to be preaching about hell. There has to be preaching about consequences and sin. Because the day you stop preaching about the wolf is the day things start dying. I want to preach about blessing too, but I have to preach about hell. I want to preach about grace too, but I have to preach about consequences. I want to preach... Dad, you have to warn your son. Mom, you have to warn your daughter. You have to give it to the next generation. Because the day we eliminate the wolf from our environment, there are consequences. Well, if you just wouldn't preach it so hard, if you just would lighten up a little bit, if you just tell people kind of what they want to hear, if you just turn down the volume just a little bit, maybe we could get, we could get folks and we could schmooze them into the church. We could entice them into the church. And there's people that buy into that. And the denominational world has basically made what they call church a joke. Now that sin is on the stage and there's a wolf on the stage of our country, it's faced by a denominational world that can't do one blessed thing about it. Because they lost the power a long time ago to resist the wolf. I thank God for the apostolic church that has always had the revelation that, that I'm going to walk holy and upright before God. And you might not be able to call it sin, but I can call it sin because it's the word of God. And when the devil shows up, I can tell him, it is written, it is written, it is written, and he has to flee. 
teach it diligently unto thy children. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You're not going to offend them. You're going to save them. You're not going to scare them. You're going to convict them. They have to know that there's a wolf. And what they found is that when they eliminated the wolf, the elk exploded. That's the first thing that happened. The elk exploded. When the elk exploded, the population, there was no predator. There was no, there was no check. And that might seem like a good thing, but, but, and then hunters thought it was great. There were elk coming out of their ears. But men with rifles couldn't do what packs of wolves could do. And several unintended consequences came about because, because everything you do affects what's around you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I'll tell you that, that, that I, never, I never want to lose my knowledge of the wolf. You know, it is possible to raise kids, and that, that's what happened. Elk were born that never heard the snarl of the wolf. They never felt the panic of seeing a wolf pack in full speed toward them and the herd running. All they knew was a life of leisure. All they knew was a life of grazing. I, we can never allow that to happen to the next generation. Because it is possible to become so insulated that you forget what God has done. You forget what God has brought you from. I never want, I never want to become a professional Pentecostal. I never want to get so good at grazing. We're not sitting around a watering hole eating grass. We go out to eat, but... <laughs> And there's some folks that do that pretty well. I never want to get so good at eating out after church that I don't know how to teach Bible studies. I never want to get so good that I grow bored with it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. When a man walks up here and prays at this altar and smells like cigarettes and smells like marijuana and smells like alcohol, I don't want to see young people roll their eyes and look around with boredom because, because they've forgotten what, they've never known what sin is like. They've never known the pain and the ag Now, Now, the older elks, they remember it. They still have scars on their bodies from where the wolf took a bite out of them. But be careful that, that we don't raise up a generation that doesn't know how to bless God and that becomes pampered and that becomes entitled and that thinks that the world is given to them on a silver platter there is a wolf he is out there 
I don't want young people to think that sin is cool. Your parents know sin isn't cool. Your grandparents know that it's not cool. They know what the wolf is like. They remember the scars of adultery. They remember the scars of fornication. They remember the scars of addiction. It's possible to give our kids too much. It's possible to eliminate struggles that God designed to mold them. It's possible that if, if it's, and I've, it's happened all over Pentecost. I love the feeling that I feel in this church right now. I feel a good anointing that's here. I feel a, a, a precious unction that's here because I don't feel that everywhere. It's possible for it to become more about clothes than it does about worship. It's possible for it to become more about talent than it does about anointing. It's possible to become more about harmony than it becomes about making a joyful noise unto the Lord. I want to remember that this is about sinners getting the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus' name. And it's all about teaching and preaching the Word of God without fear and without favor. I have to remember where God brought me from. And if I was raised in the church, I have to have a revelation of it. Hallelujah. There is a blessing in being fifth generation apostolic. There's a blessing in that. I'm fourth generation. My son is fifth generation. Great blessing in that. But, 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 but not having the framework of sin and feeling sins sting myself you can be lulled into a complacency and digging out a church pastor like was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me because people need to get in a fist fight with the devil they need to walk up to the devil and look him in the eyes and say you're the enemy of my great grandfather you're the enemy of my grandfather you're the enemy of my father and you are my enemy and I'm coming after you in Jesus name and I have to see the addict firsthand I have to deal with the alcoholic firsthand I have to deal with the broken marriage firsthand and I've got to look the wolf in the eye and say you're not getting these sheep you're not getting this harvest you're not getting this church I know who you are. I know what you're about. Somebody say hallelujah. All things. They work together. Man, you can be seated. And so because the wolf is gone, the wolf, the wolf is called a cornerstone species. And when you eliminate a cornerstone species, unintended consequences happen. When, when the alpha predator was eliminated, it left a vacuum. And so what moved in to fill the alpha predator were secondary predators, jackals and foxes. The problem is jackals and foxes aren't big enough to, to kill elk at least not full-grown elk. 
Maybe they might get a baby here or there, but they're not going to pull down a full-grown elk. And so what happened was the jackals and the foxes moving into the alpha predator position, they begin to target the beaver. Unchecked, with no elk. See, the, the, the elk carcass that the wolves left was the meal for the jackal. But now with no meal, raccoon, squirrel, beaver, birds, they attacked they attacked the species underneath them and left unchecked. It decimated the lower levels. All because of a decision that somebody didn't think all the way through. When you eliminate those lower level species, there are consequences. The elk having no fear of that graze wherever they want to. Elk wouldn't go straight to the water hole. They were cautious. They would look. It was a, they would hide in the brush. But now, with no fear and with no natural predator, they're out in the open. And every new tree that is germinated, the elk devour it before it can grow. They eat the grass off the bank. So when it rains, the banks start eroding backwards because grass anchors left unchecked. It is possible to have too much grazing. It is possible to have too much eating and fellowship and some people, that's all they want. But somewhere in here, we have to do the work of God. Somewhere in here, we have to invite people to church. I love fellowship as much as the next person, but I don't live for fellowship. It's part of it. But at the end of the day, I want people getting the Holy Ghost. I want people coming to the altar. Why is that a big deal? Because you can give rise to opportunism. You can give rise to a generation that grows up that are professionals at eating and playing the game, but they're not so good at praying. <laughs> I hope this is all right. I don't know. I don't know how to pull punches. I know. I know the devil doesn't pull punches. I'm not pulling punches. You, 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 can, you can give rise to a generation that doesn't know how to pray and that doesn't read the Bible. And they learn to play the game and they can pat everybody on the back and they can politic and they, they can make friends with everybody and they can network, but they can't win one soul. They can't baptize one person in Jesus' name. They can't pray anybody through to the Holy Ghost. They're the first person to the buffet, but they're not the first person in the prayer room. Hey, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. I have to find a place of consecration, and it's not about networking, it's about the kingdom of God. And I watch as young men as young men learn how to eat and they learn how to talk and they learn how to tell the jokes and they get in close to preachers and they take over churches and they don't really believe this message. Because they know how to graze, but they don't know how the ecosystem works. You can gobble away the root structure until things erode. Prayer time erodes. Worship erodes. It becomes more about the show than it does about the move of the Holy Ghost. 
It becomes more about the hairdo and the suit and the style and the brand name. I'm talking about an ecosystem that goes awry. I'm talking about people that know how to smile real big, but they don't actually have the Holy Ghost. And they'll sell out for money and they'll sell out for talent. And they won't preach Acts 2.38 when the rubber meets the road. And when you look at what happened 50 years ago and you look at what's happening right now, the banks have backed up. The boundaries have changed. The river doesn't run like it used to because something's wrong. Praise God. Things are different now. The fish don't jump like they used to. The birds don't chirp. I can remember when I was a kid, I, the birds singing and game walking and fish, trout. I, and that's what they were saying. And I can remember when people ran the aisles everywhere. And when people were slain in the spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, people were carried out drunk under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And when holiness wasn't something everybody had to fight about, but people wanted to be holy because he is holy. And 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 then preachers preached without worrying about offending but they preach because the word of God said it and if it says it I believe it that settles it and but I'm looking down and what it looks like back then doesn't look like what it looks like today Ah, hallelujah. I can feel the change. I can feel that something's wrong. What happened? Things work together. Things work together. They wiped out the beaver. The beaver is another cornerstone species. It's another species. It's every bit as important as the wolf. If you eliminate the beaver, you'll destroy an ecosystem. And, and that sounds crazy. I know that sounds crazy. But, but, but beavers, they, they have a pretty significant function. When, when, beavers, when beavers come, there's going to be dams. Trees are going to fall. There's going to be, there's going to be aquatic structure. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because the river can't rage. Not if you're going to have spawning. You have to have quiet places in the river. You have to have places where things slow down. That may not seem like a big deal to some people, but, but I'm going to tell you, I, I, I thank God for times in my life where things fell. I, I can remember a time in my life where my family, because of who my grandfathers were and and because of realities in, in governmental situations, there was a rushing, rushing river. And it's easy to get caught up in rushing things. And everybody's rushing and, and, and there's a flow to things. And you can get caught up in things and you can get swept away in things. And, and, and things happen in life. And every once in a while, when it's time for things to slow down, God knows how to drop things in your life and damn things up. And, and you think it's bad because things fell apart, but God knows how to slow you down long enough for some things to take place. There has to be quiet time. There has to be 
reflection time. There has to be time to raise children in the simplicity of the Word of God. There has to be time. When, 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 when the beavers made the dams, it created quiet pools. It created spawning habitat. It created larvae for birds to feed on. It created a food source for the birds. It created, it created a, a, a habitat for, for the fish and salmon and trout. They didn't, they didn't just flow through, but they had a place to deposit eggs. They had a place to, to reproduce. And when the beavers were there, it happened. God knows how to slow the flow down. I know a lot of people that get caught up in the flow of life. I've seen young men and young ladies get caught up in fast money and fast times and flashy cars. And they get caught up with backslidden relatives. And you can get caught up in the flow. But, and, 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 and if you're not careful, you can get so caught up in it, you'll one day wake up and there'll be blue, white, and red lights in your rearview mirror. God knows how to drop a tree right across the river of your life. And you might think it's the end, but God knows just how to cut some things down. And I know a lot of people that sitting on a jail cell cot finally opened up that Bible that they were raised with. They haven't touched it since they were in Sunday school at the Apostolic Church. But now they have a little time to sit down. They have a little time where there's no drugs. They have a little time where there's no party. And there's an apostolic preacher that walks in and says, now are you ready to listen to the word of God? Now are you ready to slow down and let God get a hold of you. God knows how to break you down. God knows how to throw it right across your life. You think it's the end. Ah, uh -uh, brother, it's the beginning. God's slowing you down long enough to make you pray. He's slowing you down long enough to make you read that Bible. He's slowing you down long enough to listen to your parents. He's slowing you down long enough before you go to an early grave. And if you eliminate the elements that drop the trees, then the river just keeps flowing. The river just keeps flowing. And the preacher doesn't have a voice. And your parents don't have a voice. And as a consequence... You die. <laughs> because it all works together. Every decision, every service, every prayer meeting, every Sunday school class, it works together. Every devotion that, hey, dad, when you come home, the look on your face matters. If you come in bringing the pressures of the job to your wife and to your children, you can bring a spirit of doubt and frustration into that house. Don't talk about how bad it is. Don't talk about me might leave the church. No, sir. You lift up your hands and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Because there are children watching you. There's a wife depending on you. And it works together. It works together. It works together. I thank God for parents that as bad as it got, they said we're going to serve God we're going to church everything's going to be all right we're not going to talk about the pastor we're not going to gossip about the church people we're going to love God
because there's little ones coming up. There's little ones coming up. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God dropped something in my life as a young man. Tragedy struck my family. And what had been a roaring, rushing political river slowed to a crawl. My dad thought it was the judgment of God. He thought it was a trial from Satan. Uh Uh-uh. God just let a beaver loose in his life and dropped some circumstances in place. Stopped the flow. And for several years, my brother, my brother that preached, the name of that message was from his shoulders and upward. I was there when he formulated it. And I can remember when he preached it. He and I had time to talk about the Bible. We weren't caught up in political dynamics. We were kept out of the mainstream. We were kept out of the corruption and kept out of the fast-moving pace and, and the competition that can come from success. Oh, hallelujah. God knows how to slow things down long enough for kids to grow up and learn to love Jesus and learn to know Acts 2.38 and Acts 4.12 and Acts 8.14-16 and Acts 10.44-48 and Acts 19.1-6 and every one of them says you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus and there's power in the name of Jesus and in the still waters of devotion in the still waters of consecration in the still waters where mom's gentle voice and dad's devotion could break through it got down in my heart and if you'll let God the fish will start jumping again the birds will start singing again the animals will come back again because it works together it works together it works together Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hunters didn't like to see the body of the elk laying in the field. They didn't like to see it. But the biologist said you have to see it. Whereas the hunter saw the end, biologists see a beginning. Biologists see a meal for the wolf. The biologist sees a a secondary meal for the jackal and the fox. The biologist then sees a meal for the microbes that the birds feed on. The flies and the mosquitoes. It goes all the way down to the insect world. And now birds have a food source. I don't want to get too deep into the analogy, but I'm just telling you, every little thing works together for the good. And what looks like an end to some people is a beginning to other people. 
You may think you're at the end of something. You may think you're at the end of a relationship. Maybe God's cutting some people off from your life or has, and now it's just a skeleton of what it used to be. But I'm telling you, God knows how to bring new things out of dead things. And, and he's just creating a cycle. He's just allowing some things to happen. If the wolf takes your friend, to make sure the wolf doesn't take you, let it be a testimony. I will not make that decision. I will not live that way. I will listen to my pastor. I will go to church. I'm not staying out of church. No, I won't stay home. No. Because it works together. It works together. It works together. And if you preach it, it'll come back. If you live it, it'll come back. Man, I want, I want to see the fish jump. I want to see people run the aisles. I want to see people talk in tongues. I want to see people full of the Holy Ghost. I want the tongues and interpretation. I want young men and young ladies full of the Holy Ghost. Where's it at? Where's it at? It has to start. Somebody lift your hands right now. I'm closing. Somebody lift your voice right now. It works together. It works together. It works together. Don't you let Hollywood steal your praise. Don't you let the wolf get your children. In the name of Jesus. Don't you let this become about something else. Somebody lift your hands right now. Somebody lift your voice. Yeah. Yeah. This is touching that. That's touching this. It's affecting that. Every Sunday school lesson. Every Bible study that you teach. Every, every bus route that you run. Every new kid that comes in. It works together. It works together. It works together. Every altar call. Every altar call. Every fellowship circle. Everything. I want somebody the devil told you it's the end I want you to know it's the beginning I want you to step out and come come and lift your hands I'm opening the altar right now I want some young people I want you to come down here I want you to say I'm learning brother Urshan I'm hearing it I, I, I want the blessing that my parents have but I, I, I don't want to learn the lessons the hard way in the name of Jesus, I want you to come. Lift your hands to heaven. I want you to close out this service with old-fashioned praise. If you can take a snapshot of 50 years ago and you can lay it over tonight's service, I want it to look exactly the same. Where people were filled with the Holy Ghost. Where people were consecrated. Where people fell out drunk in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, it works together, it works together, it works together. That's it, that's it, young lady, that's it. Lift your hands, lift your voice. Let the Holy Ghost move over you right now. Let the Holy Ghost move over you right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
Holy Ghost, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Put your hand on them right now. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have your way. We're going to preach. We're going to preach the entire Bible. We're going to sing with all of our hearts. We're going to worship the way the old timers worshiped. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. I'm setting it loose. God's going to restore it. Let the fish jump again. Let your prayer life come to life again. Let your worship come to life again. Let it ha- let the green things grow again. Overshadow them right now. Overshadow them right now. That's it. That's it. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Do a supernatural work in their hearts. Feel them right now. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. Sing it. Preach it. Yes. Yes. Bring it to life. Bring it to life. In the name of Jesus. All right. Praise God. Thank you so much for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry about the dog barking in the background. My dog went crazy, but as always, keeping it live, keeping it raw, keeping it real. All right. So Lord bless you. And I will be publishing another episode tomorrow. Have a great night, folks. Hope you enjoyed the message and I hope it really blessed your soul like it did mine.